Well, Bob likes to do the word of the day sometimes in the children's message. And uh, for the adult message, I would say that the word of the day is propitiation. That's a word we all use every day, right? Um, we're going to get to what that word is actually about, uh, actually towards the end of the, uh, the message, because it comes up at the end of this reading in, in, in 1 John. It's actually a very important concept, and it has everything to do with how we come to be right with God. And, and that's what John is writing about in his letter. We're in the Easter season. And so things are a little bit different in terms of our scripture readings across the Easter season. Normally, we have an Old Testament lesson, an epistle, a letter, and a gospel reading. However, during the season of Easter, instead of starting with an Old Testament lesson, we start out with a reading from the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Looking at how the apostles testified uh, about the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, if you reread that reading from Acts today, right in the middle of that, it talks about they were testifying about the resurrection of Jesus and with power. And, uh, uh, and that's part of what we continue to do. We continue this work of the apostles to testify that Jesus has risen from the dead. This Easter season, the epistle lesson, the, the letter that we're going to be looking at is 1 John. And, uh, and then we're going to have some various gospel readings from John and from Mark as we go through the season. But 1 John is going to be our focus for the messages. And 1 John, it's a beautiful, beautiful letter. And we should probably know a little bit about John before we, we uh, get into his letter. First of all, John was probably the youngest of the disciples. Um, the, the disciples called, or Jesus called him the disciple that he loved. And some people think that that means that John got a lot more attention than the other disciples. And some people think that's because he was young and Jesus kind of had to do this with him from time to time. Pull him close like, John, just stand right here and be quiet. Uh, and, and he actually had a nickname. He and his brother James, they were called the Sons of Thunder. That, that, that sounds like a great disciple's nickname, doesn't it? That, that's not what you want to be known for. Um, he and James wanted to call down fire on a, a village one time when they were out evangelizing because that really brings people to Jesus. You're all going to go to hell because of, yeah. Uh, this is the kind of guy that John was when he was young. And when we look at John, John is a man who was deeply changed by Jesus. The power of the gospel changed him dramatically. He was the only disciple to be there when Jesus was crucified. He's the one that Jesus entrusted with his mother. John is also the only disciple to die a natural death. All the other apostles were martyred for the faith, starting with his brother, actually. His brother James was the first. And when you look at John's life, history tells us that he lived to be about 100 years old. So that John was the last living link back to Jesus. He writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in his old age. And there is very much a grandfatherly quality to this writing. 
This is, this is an, an old grandfatherly pastor talking to his flock, encouraging them, urging them, giving those, those, those last words. You know, you, you know how as, as you get toward the end of life, your, your words to people become a little bit more weighty. Partly because you have the, these years of wisdom that you've, you've built up, but partly because, especially when you know that the end is coming, these might be my last words to this per, these people. And so he wants to make sure that, that the, 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 the words that he speaks are full of God's grace and, and the message of salvation. And so these are, these are some of John's last words to his flock. And they're important words for us to listen to during this time of Easter during this time that we remember Jesus' resurrection and the power of the resurrection in John's life and the power of the resurrection in our own lives. So we're going to take a look at this letter. He starts out, he says, that which was from the beginning. When you look at the Gospel of John, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. You know, these things are not separate. It's the same author. It's the same type of themes. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life that was with the Father that was made manifest to us. That which, you have, that which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John wants you to know, you know this is no made-up fairy tale. He's saying pretty boldly here, I was there, I saw, I heard. I touched. He is doing exactly what Jesus called him to do. You will be my witnesses. And he's just going around saying, this is what I saw, this is what I heard, this is what I experienced. And he's talking exactly about what Jesus did. And it's really, what he really wants us to know is about how Jesus died to pay for our sins, and how he has risen from the dead because he has paid for the sins and defeated death for us. And this message, this message of Christ's death and resurrection for us means eternal life. That's a weighty matter, isn't it? Eternal life. That's what's at stake here. I remember early on when I was here uh, working with Pastor Koenig. Many of you remember Pastor Koenig. Um, one day I was talking about my brother. My brother is a, a lieutenant colonel in the Army. And uh, he's younger than I am. And I was thinking about the, the weight of responsibility that an officer in the military has. That, you know, at the time Brian was in Iraq, and I was thinking he's got these people's lives in their hands. And Wayne responded to me, Boy, that's a lot like being a pastor. I think it's a lot like being a Christian. That we are people who have been given eternal life, but not just for ourselves, but for the sake of sharing it with the world. Sharing it 
the world seems kind of big. Sharing it with our children, our grandchildren, sharing it with our neighbors, as God gives us those opportunities. That, that, that's, that's who God has made us to be. We are people of eternal life. And, and the ministry that we participate in has eternal consequences. As we share the hope that is within us, remembering that Jesus was indeed crucified for us and that he has risen from the dead and he has given us the victory. And this eternal life, I think sometimes we think about it like this, that when I die, I go to heaven and I live forever. But that's not quite right. It's a little bit more like this. When I was a baby, my parents brought me to the baptismal font and I was baptized. And I was baptized into Christ's death and I died. I, my, my sinful nature was drowned in the waters of baptism and a new person came to life so that we live eternal life even now, even if we're going to live it a little bit more fully then. This life that Christ has won is already yours. And this is what we get to go out and to testify about in the world. And this is, this is really what our fellowship is about. John, John uses the word fellowship. In this section, we got it two times. In the next section, two more times. So four times in the whole reading. And that's an important word. You know, we have a fellowship committee here at the, the church. They served us a delicious breakfast last week, right? But the way that we usually think about fellowship is kind of being together and enjoying one another's company. And that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But the word here, that, that, that's not exactly what it's talking about. Uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with the word koinonia, that's, that's what's being translated here as fellowship. And fellowship, in this sense, is more than just kind of a, a mutual friendship. It's a unity. It's, it's, it's belonging to one another. It's having something that binds us together and, and makes us a, a, a single unit. Well, what would that be? It would be Jesus. It'd be our faith in him. It'd be the life we have in him. That he makes us one. And it's more than just kind of a loose affiliation. It's us coming together and standing and saying, this is our hope as one mass of people. That's kind of what we confess when we come up and we receive the Lord's Supper. You know, in the liturgy, we remind ourselves week after week that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we're talking about here. That's our unity. That's our life. That Jesus has redeemed us from sin and death. And he's made us a new creation. He's made us new people. He's made us a fellowship of believers. And everything is on the line for us. That this is the heart and core of everything that we are about. That it's about Jesus, what he's done for us and done for the world. And this is what binds us. This everlasting life and this hope that we have in the spirit of God. And John says, I am writing these things that our joy may be complete. 
And I think this, this is a hugely important passage here. It isn't just that I come here and I receive forgiveness of sins. It isn't just that I come here and, you know, I have a little bit of a, a good conversation with some people that I kind of like and some maybe that I don't. Uh, and, and then I go home for the rest of the week and, I, you know, I did my Jesus thing for that hour to two hours. And then the rest of the week I just kind of live on my own. This unity that we have in Christ, the hope that we have in Christ, actually gives us joy. And joy is not the same thing as happiness. I want to be careful about that. I'm not saying that we don't have happiness, but I am saying that joy is somewhat different. Joy is deeper. It is more pervasive. It is longer lasting. So that even in the midst of of bad things going on in the world, we can have joy. A sense that it will be well. A sense that Jesus has won the victory for us. It's, it's what helps us to be able to stand at the graveside of someone that we love and to be able to say, Alleluia. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. That our hope is bigger than the sorrows and the sadnesses that we have. And it's all connected to this fellowship to this experience that that John saw and touched and heard and that he testifies about to us. And he says, this is the message that we have heard from him, that we heard from Jesus, that we proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have koinonia, fellowship with him, if we have unity with him, we're connected to, we belong to him, While we walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. I think this is, when we think about the Christian life, yes, we understand that we are forgiven for our sins, but that is not a license to go out and just do whatever we want. This forgiveness transforms us so that we want to walk with Jesus as he walked, to live the way that God created us to live, to live in the redemption that he has won for us. And when we live in in that that, that forgiveness, it changes our priorities. It changes the way that we, we interact with the world. We don't want to walk in the darkness of our sins anymore, but we want to walk in the light of Christ, to live according to his will and according to his desires for us. And, and Jesus, John's saying to us, don't kid yourself. If you say, hey, I believe in Jesus, but I'm constantly choosing to walk in the darkness, you need to do some repenting. You need to look at what's going on there and to come back to that forgiveness and to be transformed by it. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, Jesus is in the light. He is the light. We have fellowship, not just with God, but with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's our hope. That on the cross, Jesus' blood cleanses us from our sins. And we've already said this passage today. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
But you know it. Yeah, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he forgives us our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It is so important to recognize who we are, apart from Christ and in Christ. To own our sin, but also to cling tight to this forgiveness that Jesus won for us, to be cleansed from this unrighteousness through faith in Jesus. And John goes on, he says, my little children, that's grandpa, right? You know, thank you, I'm 45. Yeah, my little children. You know, when you're 100, you can say that to anybody you want. Um, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Don't do it. Resist the temptation. Walk in the light. Follow where Jesus leads. But if anyone does sin, he's a hundred. He knows the deal. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He stands there. He advocates for us. He speaks on our behalf. He calls for forgiveness for us. He is the propitiation for our sins. And there's that word. It's a strange word. Not that this will be helpful, but the Greek word there is hilasterion, which means a blood sacrifice. This is, this is all about like the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant where the blood was placed and the sins are forgiven. That's who Jesus is. He is that point of contact between God and man where God's mercy flows because Jesus' blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, who takes enemies and makes them friends, who takes that which is separated and unites it, who takes enemies and, and, and brings us into fellowship, first with God and then with one another. He's the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, for the sins of the whole world. You know, across the years, I've had people kind of ask the question of why is it that when we become Christians that God doesn't just take us right to heaven you know, so that we don't struggle and we don't, we don't stumble, we don't fall, we don't sin anymore. And that's why. Because Jesus didn't die just for us. He died for the sins of the whole world. And he left us so that we can make that known to the world. And so this Easter season, this is what we celebrate. 
that Christ was successful, that he is the propitiation, and we do have fellowship with God and with one another. In Christ, amen.